loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm talking with Allison Gilbert. Allison's the author of the best-selling book, Past and Present, available at Amazon, the first how-to guide ever written for discovering creative and meaningful ways to keep the memory of loved ones alive, inspiring and empowering This much-needed, easy-to-read roadmap reveals 85 imaginative ways to celebrate and honor the family and friends we never want to forget. You can learn more more about Allison by visiting her website, which is www.allisongilbert.com, or by connecting with her on her Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash agilbertwriter. Welcome, Allison. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's it's definitely my pleasure. I really enjoyed your book. Um, I was telling you right before we went on that I uh, am kind of a crafty girl in, in my regular everyday life. And um, having that get married with my life as a grief counselor and as the host of the show was really pleasurable. So thank you. Oh, my gosh. That is so wonderful to hear. You have made my day. <laughs> Well, the book made made mine, and not just because of ideas that had never occurred to me, but because of the things I was unconsciously doing that are in that category that I was just kind of um, doing organically, I guess. Um, the oh, particular okay. the pr- particular ways that I would arrange uh, my remembrance places, and you know, some of it was familiar to me, so that was nice. Oh, yes, that's why I do that. <laughs> you know, um, some of those ideas. So that was a nice reminder too. Well, sometimes it's really validating to know what you're doing is not only um, been tried in other venues, but also. It's validating to know that they actually work and they make sense and they can actually make you, you know, more joyous in how you celebrate your loved ones. Absolutely. And the other thing is just serendipitously or accidentally, however you choose to look at it, uh, I've spent the last two months sorting my parents' things, which had landed in my attic a couple years ago when my mom died. And just watching that process and how difficult it can be to sort out the objects and um, you know decide what's important and what isn't and what you can reuse and what needs to go and all of that uh, it, it your book kind of gives a frame for that I feel is that something well, that know, I, yeah. go yeah, ahead well, for sure I, I think that's one of the um, the big experiences that most people have when someone they love dies is what to do with the things that meant something to them, whether as mundane as, you know, clothes and, you know, kitchen gadgets and shoes or things that are really meaningful and significant, you know, whether it's awards that they won or letters that they wrote or other 
mementos that are really could be heirlooms. And so one of the big um, chapters that I really love the most, it's really it's the first chapter in the book, is called Repurpose with Purpose, which mm. is that not everything that you... Uh, keep as a result of a loved one dying has to remain in its form. Perhaps you can get more pleasure, um, and I write about this in past and present, um, if you kind of morph and switch and alter what it looks like, and then you can get more pleasure from these objects, which is really the point. Well, that's interesting because one of the things that captivated me, and I'm in the midst of actually... um, bringing it about in my home is that my mother had lots of jewelry, most of of which I kept the things or gave away to my daughters and my sister-in-law, etc. The things that were really in our taste and, you know, uh, valuable, that kind of thing. But there was all this jewelry left that I will never wear ever. But somehow, having seen it on her so many times, I didn't feel quite like giving it, give uh, like throwing it out. And, yeah, you know um, why? Because you know, even there, even though, even though you have jewelry that you're not going to wear, it doesn't mean that they're any less evocative, which is what you're describing. I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. So this this idea of getting a fillable lamp uh, has captured me. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm in the midst of choosing one, and for for the listeners, uh, I thought I knew quite a bit about uh, household objects from my daughter, the interior designer, etc., but I had not really cued into fillable lamps. They're glass, and you put stuff inside, whatever y- you want, um, and just that, that captures me as an idea, assuming I can make it look... Uh, to my taste and beautiful and that kind of thing. Um, have you done that yourself, Allison? Well, um, I'll tell you what I think is really interesting about the fillable lamp idea um, and for your listeners how it works that, of course, the lamp shade um, is still a shade. We're talking about the base. And the base, if you can imagine, it's like a um, imagine a cookie jar that has a rubber bottom that you can then fill in with the cookies. It's the same idea. So you fill the glass base with whatever belongings you have that make a story occur for you. So if your loved one was a collector, this is a great place to put those objects. If your loved one, um, you know, God forbid you lost a child and that child had toys and you wanted some place to showcase them and honor what those toys meant to your family. It's a way of doing that in a really uplifting way, in a really celebratory way. It really is shining a light quite literally on your loved one and quite literally keeping them present in your home, you know, in terms of those objects that once gave you such a smile. And, it's, you know, why not have those be elevated um, as part of the design. I think it's a great idea. And the one word caution I would give you is flammable. So the best objects for this kind of project are, of course, those that, you know, are going to be okay with a hot lamp shade above it, you know, with a heat. Sure. So, you know, sure. That That's... Are not, you know, paper, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm thinking about the um, 
common wisdom that, for instance, hoarding is often a grief reaction. That so when you do something like make uh, the other the the dead person's objects into something, there's a mindful process occurring where you're deciding what fits that and what doesn't. There's a sorting going on. I'm assuming. And I could imagine that being really helpful because you're honoring the objects. You're not just casting them off. Um, but I could imagine it would help with that sort of uh, not being able to let go of things. Ironically, you'd be keeping the th- some of the things, but maybe it would ma- make it a little easier to let go of the ones that didn't fit. Yeah, I really do think it helps you to purge many items that may not make you happy. They just may feel oppressive and numerous. And if you are able to keep a few that are evocative of the many, it could really allow you to um, separate yourself from things. And I mean things in that way that, you know, if you collect so many things, they don't, they no longer become these lovely mementos or these lovely heirlooms. They really do come devalued and they become things. And so if you're able, as you've just said, to, to separate yourself from them, and even in the separating, we can talk about how to do that even in a meaningful way. But the result of separating from them and elevating one or two items is that you really do get more joy from them. And that's really what past and present um, my book is all about. How do you get to go from sad to joy? How do you go from grief to something that can bring you happiness? And that's really the goal. And um, the one thing I do want to say, if we have time, I want to talk about how you can maybe give those objects away without guilt. Mm. I think that's very, very important what you're saying, because there is that You know, I'm pretty fluid with grief, as you can imagine. (laughs) I work in the field. I talk with people every week. And yet, as I said, I've been sorting. So, okay, I've been going through bazillion picture albums. Uh, And a lot of them were travel albums that my mom made of their travels. And 99% of the pictures did not, they were just of a place. They had no meaning for me. And yet, tossing them took a process. You know, being able to say, okay, well, I don't need to keep these pictures of, of Alaska. Well, you know, what? You, I think yeah. there's a continuum. I think there's a continuum. So um, the idea of giving away objects may cause some listeners to kind of panic, right? They're really holding on to these memories. Uh, mm. later, maybe it's weeks or months or even years, um, it might be easier to imagine not holding on to everything. So there really is um, uh, a time, there is a moment where any one of these ideas about repurposing with purpose might make sense for you. And it's up to you to decide when that is. And maybe some things happen now Maybe other movement with these objects happens later. And the one thing I do want to hit upon, which I think is really urgent for your listeners to know, is that it's much easier, in my point of view, and from the people who I interviewed, 
over the years for many of the books that I've written about loss and grief is that it's easier to um, divest yourself of these objects if you do so in a meaningful way. And so what do I mean by that? Uh, You may have, as an example, many objects that belong to your loved one, but perhaps there are other people who shared the life of your loved one, maybe their friends or their coworkers or their families who maybe you're not close with. But wouldn't it be a great opportunity for you to both, A, get rid of some of these objects that don't bring you pleasure, but B, give some of those objects to people who may not have a physical reminder of that same person. And so then you're creating an opportunity to not only give the object away, but to share memories and also, really importantly, invite storytelling, encourage conversation, and in that way you celebrate and keep their memory alive as well. I resonate with that. I it, it brought a memory to my mind that I haven't thought of in forever, which is that when my wife died, she was a um, a bear collector. She had a huge collection of stuffed bears. And, um, you know, it was very enjoyable when she was alive. She had them in a net, big net basket hanging on her ceiling. And when kids came over, they played with them and stuff. Well, there was no way I was keeping all those bears. So I brought them to her memorial. And by the end of the, the reception, they were all, they all had new homes. And you would think that would have been really painful, but every time I think about it, it makes me happy. That's lovely. Uh, I wouldn't have been able, I was just doing it kind of like people should have something and I have a ton of these, you know, kind of kind yeah. of thing. But But it does make me happy to think of those bears living in all these homes all over the place. I think that's really exactly the point that I was driving at. I think if you're able to meaningfully um, give these objects away, it really goes to the heart that you can keep one or two and get enormous pleasure out of those objects. And that's very healing. So you said your first sentence in your introduction to the book says, this book is not about sadness and grieving. I know what you mean, but do you find also that there might be a little tinge of sadness um, somewhere well, involved? I, yeah, you know what? I um, The next part of that opening um, paragraph, and I'm paraphrasing, is that this book is about happiness and remembering. And so, mm-hmm. and I really did mean what I wrote, that there is plenty of bookshelves filled with books that are about that real moment in time where loss rips you open and yes. it makes you incredibly vulnerable and it makes you incredibly raw and very, very... um uh, you know, of course, grief-stricken, right? Many of us have mm-hmm. been there. I have been there. The shift of this book that I wanted to make sure that I got 
you know, honed in right away, was that this book is not about that. This book is about what comes next, which you need to work on proactively and take control. It is a very different kind of experience than when loss is new. When loss is new, generally speaking, we can be passive and still get support, meaning that people tend to come to funerals, they pay Shiva, you know, they go to Shiva calls, they go to wakes, and you are generally on the receiving end of people being supportive. The shift that happens and what past and present is really about and why I really talked about this book being about happiness and remembering, those are action-driven responsibilities that are incumbent upon the person who had been grieving, right? Once you're able to move into the moving forward piece, the remembering, the how to keep that loved one's memory alive, that requires proactivity, and that is the exciting difference when it comes to this book. Well, because feeling uh, helpless, um, eventually you need to feel like the author of the story, or it can be very debilitating. So I like that way of talking about it. And I have this image in my head. I got a picture. My daughter, I have two grandsons. My daughter has a photo stream, so almost every day she sends a picture of, of the, the boys. Yesterday I got a picture of them grinning ear to ear with a pie that they had helped her make. And my mother taught me to make pies. Her mother taught her. She taught me. I taught my daughter. Now she's teaching my grandsons. I, I can't tell you what joy that was to feel the whole progression of, of legacy in that beautiful pie. I uh, love that. I really, really love that. So when we come back, I do want to talk a little more deeply about what led you to this work and, and kind of um, how you got to this place where you got focused on what you're calling forget-me-nots. We haven't said that yet, and I love that. Um, little, <laughs> a book of forget-me-nots. It's wonderful. So when a we get back, tease, let's... A little tease. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> so when we get back, we'll talk about that. And listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America to like me on Facebook, follow at me on Twitter, etc., etc., etc. And to find Allison Gilbert, go to alisongilbert.com or her Facebook page, Facebook.com slash A Gilbert Writer. Back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Relationship issues, anxious, parenting challenges, no more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. 
Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Allison Gilbert, the author of Past and Present, a book of ideas about how to keep memories alive and growing with the people that we've lost. And Allison, before the break, I was saying I just wanted to talk some about how you came to do this work, your your own losses and your own process getting to the point where this book could even come into being. Can you Can you share some of that with us? Oh, of course. Um, I don't want to bore anyone too much, but um, my own personal story is really very similar to what so many other people go through. I've had my own share of losses. Um, uh, my mother died first when I was uh, young, and then my father, and um, then their brother and sister, so my aunt and uncle, and um, a host of grandparents. And so I feel like there was a bit of a avalanche of loss in my life and that is what kind of put me into the framework of writing about loss Um, and then I since have written so many books about this topic and interviewed so many people and experts that I have become somewhat just deeply um, involved in the grief and bereavement community because I feel like there is such important work to be done for mainstream readers, everyday readers. There's a lot written in the wonky professional world, um, but what I really wanted to write about was how it impacts you and me from a very non-clinical sense, and what struck me and what just dropped my chin to the ground was that I recognized that loss is always made better, so to speak. People are generally always happier when they remember their loved ones as opposed to sectioning off those memories and trying not to, quote-unquote, go back there. So, um, And it's true. Experts have always said that those people who remember, who keep the memory of their loved ones alive, do better in the long term emotionally uh, than those who don't. 
And so this really became the work that I was most interested in, which is how can we remember? Um, and that I don't think was written about. It actually wasn't written about at all in the mainstream pop culture sense. And so that's mm-hmm. what I really wanted to tackle. You're saying something interesting. Uh, well, you're saying several in- interesting things in one paragraph. Um, one thing is part of what um, I am a professional, but I have to tell you that grief how-to uh, types of book, like the first this stage or that, never really helped me when I was grieving. What helped me actually the most was memoir. It was story which is affiliated with what you're talking about because there are stories in those objects, right? Um, whether it's well, my story or someone else's, that's that helps. And then the other thing I was sure. thinking, yeah, the other thing I was thinking is um, actually the grief professional community used to believe in a thing called closure, that um, the relationship should be closed and you should move on, which as far as I'm concerned, is pretty much impossible for me anyway. So I think well, you might be talking about a relatively recent development that, that they finally realized, no, that doesn't help people. <laughs> you know, it's remembering that helps. Well, yeah, and the idea of closure to me is just so silly. I mean, or the idea that you only remember your loved one I don't know, on Christmas, like as if there's no other day of the year that you are allowed, so to speak, to look back and to think about your loved one, that if it's outside of Thanksgiving or Christmas, that if for some reason on a random Tuesday in June or, you know, some odd day in October, you're suddenly thinking about your loved one and you want to talk about them, you want to share a story somehow that doesn't make others feel okay. And Mm. so what past and present is really about is honoring the reality that remembering really can happen anytime. It should be okay for you to want to celebrate your loved one and what they still mean to you any time of day that you feel that urge and that pull. And so the book is really about giving people 85 concrete, practical, fun, creative, and incredibly different, you know, innovative ideas for doing just that. You know, it's hard. How do you remember someone? You know, people have little tricks up their sleeve. You know, they go to the cemetery. They may light a candle. But you know what? There's so much more we can do. And as you've talked about, it may be baking. It may be baking a certain recipe. But there's, you know, other ideas that we can talk about, too. What would you say is your favorite idea in your book? What, what, oh, um, like picking your favorite child? Oh, I know, I know. I'm, 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 well, it doesn't have to be just one, but I'm, you know, you were very, um, evenly joyful in the book, I would say. You infused each idea with a lot of life. And, and then I have to imagine that some things continue to operate in your own experience. And, and um, continue to offer this kind of lovely presence. Uh, well, is there an example know, of that? Maybe I won't ask you to choose a favorite, but give yeah, people a few know, examples. I, I can give you two, sure, I can give you two very, very, very different ones. 
And then you tell me if, if there's one that you would prefer that we kind of talk more about. But there's one chapter. We talked about repurpose with purpose. So I'm not going to talk about how to transform objects. I'll give you two very different other kinds of concepts. One it comes from the technology chapter. Um, mm-hmm. I really wanted to make sure that remembering can be easily integrated into your daily life and you don't have to work so hard. Many of us, you know, a lot of our listeners I know are probably multitasking even as they listen. They listen and they check Facebook. They listen and maybe they're scrolling through their Instagram feed. You know, people right. are online all the time. And so one of the my most favorite ideas is using social media to the advantage of what exactly we're talking about. So you know, for example, easy peasy, on the anniversary of your loved one's death, that day is probably invisible to everyone on your Facebook feed. No one on Twitter knows that it's likely, you know, the anniversary of your husband or your wife passing away, as an example. And so if you not only post that it is a special day for you, but the next step is really the most fun which is invite people to share their memories of your loved one, too. And so not only are you sharing that it's a day you need support or that you would like support, but you're also inviting, you're creating an opening, you're cracking open an opportunity to have others share their memories with you. And that's really a fantastic way of honoring your loved one's memory, which is to make it a conversation, which is really what social media is all about anyway. That's powerful. And also there's a sense in which everyone's waiting for someone else to say it's okay. And if you both do it yourself and say it's okay, I want to hear what you have to say about it. That relieves a whole social discomfort that I find people have. Well, I don't want to bring the person up because maybe they're not feeling it right then and I'll make them sad. You know, there's a whole thing people go through in their heads, especially people who have not experienced a big, big loss. Um, well, I, I think it's a great example. And, you know, for those people who really uh, enjoy social media, there's one other way that you can do it, too, which is using Twitter in a really fun way. So if you do a hashtag and you use your loved one's name, let's say hashtag remembering Barbara or hashtag remembering Steve, and you invite all of your friends and family and those people who really want to recognize that loved one too, maybe you can use that hashtag and then everyone can then follow along and post their favorite photos, share their favorite memory. And now they're congregated. Now they're curated into one place. And again, you're using social media in a contemporary way that can help you honor and recognize and celebrate your loved one, you know what, and not work so hard at it, right? You know, we are all on Absolutely. our phones anyway, so why not use it for in, sure. that, in, in that realm? For sure. And, you know, people complain about various aspects of social media, but honestly, in terms of grief, I think it's been much more positive than negative because that, that geographic distance, uh, the privacy of not being in the room with people sometimes frees up uh, kind of a willing willingness to share these kind of things. 
and, yeah, and you uh, know what, you know, and, and then computers, you know, if you're not, if you're listening and you're not a computer person, then let's shift gears all together. And so we've talked about repurpose with purpose, which is the first chapter of past and present. And now we've talked about using technology, which is another chapter in the book, past and present, a very different kind of idea. Um, I have many of these too, which is just an everyday opportunity no technology, you know, you don't have to even, you know, put on your phone. Uh, you don't have to have an object to want to transform. But here's a very lovely idea, and it's a beautiful gift to do for yourself, and it's a terrific gift if you're listening and you're always kind of struggling what to give someone who they have lost a loved one. One of the best ideas I've ever heard about, and hold your hat because I love this idea so much, it's to give a person who just lost a loved one a daff- one daffodil bulb for every year their loved one lived. And mm. so in the case of my stepmom, when she lost my dad, so when my father died, he was 63. When he died as a gift, one of her very, very dear friends gave her a wicker basket with 63 daffodil bulbs inside. And so daffodils come back every single year. And so you plant them in the fall, and every spring they come up, and they're bright, and they're happy, and they're beautiful, and they're just a, a yearly reminder of my dad's life. And I think that's a beautiful gift. It's wonderful. Um, you you really generate a lot of memories, which is so enjoyable. Thank you. <laughs> the one that just came to my mind is when my when my wife was dying. We had a two and a half year old child, and we were talking about the concept of guardian angels with her. That sometimes when people die, you can think of them as looking after you, in some sense. Uh-huh. Well, she didn't hear it right, and she told one of our friends, um, when she dies, she's going to be my garden angel. Oh. Uh, And so then, after she died, we planted the garden, and and she it gave her a home for that that idea that had accidentally happened. Um, so that's a sort of organic example of what you're talking about. Um, I don't put as much into my garden anymore. It's 21 years later and I'm busy, but it really meant a lot, especially the first year. Well, We'd one go out- way that you I think our ideas are definitely similar. The way they are a bit dissimilar is this, and I say this is a, in, in a good way. One is very private, right? Your example is a great idea for a limited exposure, right? So um, it's a very private, it's yours. And so um, the other idea, especially if the numbers, if you're so lucky, go high, right? My father, when he died, was 63. That's a lot of daffodil bulbs. Um, is that you can then use it as a social opportunity. You can invite neighbors. You can invite friends. You can invite family over to plant them with you. And so part of why I wrote Past and Present is because 
grieving is so often over the long term a very isolating experience. And, you know, those first few days, as we talked about earlier, um, you can count on the support. It's what happens after when that support goes away over the months and years. And so this idea with the daffodil bulbs and planting one bulb for every year your loved one lived, that reinstates some of that social component that I feel really makes you happy and really lifts your spirit and allows you to share memory in community. And that's so important. It is. In fact, um, Francis Weller, who I interviewed, who I, I love his work very much, uh, I recently um, spent some time with him, and he said, there is an aspect of grief that cannot be completed except in community. Um, there, well, I, there have- I would totally agree with that. I think that grief is oftentimes isolating, and there is power in numbers, that's why support groups are, of course, so popular, is that there really is a wonderful opportunity that comes when you uh, allow yourself to learn from and be surrounded by others. And that's really true when it comes to um, sharing memories and celebrating. Yes, and, and of course, I took that so much for granted in the garden story because we had such a large community that went through that with us. That they were inter- they were interwoven in that experience. Uh, it wasn't something we did alone. People came over and brought stuff, and uh, you know, it was um, brought us plants, helped us, did all kinds of things in community. So I think that really is an essential part of that um, of that experience that I took for granted in telling it. Well, it's time for another break, and. Um, I, w- I want to continue just in the way we're going um, and and also kind of talk about whether whether you think there's any sort of, uh, I don't know, timeline on certain activities, things that are really hard to do earlier that come in more to the front later on or whether it's completely individual, which might be true. But let's talk about that when we get back. And listeners, you can... You can, you can go to my website or the, the page at Voice America for Good Grief. My website's www.weatheringgrief.com, two Gs. And Allison Gilbert can be found at allisongilbert.com or facebook.com slash agilbertwriter. Be back in a few minutes. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. 
all from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm here with Allison Gilbert, and we've been talking about Past and Present, her book, uh, which is about remembrance through conscious activities. Um, She calls forget-me-nots in the book, things we can do to promote an engagement with the people we've lost. And I've just been enjoying so much, Allison, being immersed in these ideas. Um, And... You know, for the start of this segment, I just wanted to get your sense of from talking with lots of people that you've introduced to these ideas. And we'll talk in a minute about how you've been doing that with and without the book. But um, do you get a sense that there's a, a a pattern of readiness to begin to do these things or um, can people employ them right away, you know, fresh to a grief? question and I know from my work with um, folks who have lost their loved ones that there's a different time and place for everybody you know for me um, things moved a little bit differently when I lost my mom and when I lost my dad Um, there's different relationships I was different ages when each happened and so uh, I don't think there's really a magic um, age or stage or time and so because of that, um, I made sure that there are, there are ideas and concepts and opportunities that really involve so many different ways of celebrating a loved one's life, whether or not we've spoken about gardening, we've spoken about food and cooking, we've talked about, you know, clothing and heirlooms and objects. But I also talk about travel, and I talk about where people can go um, to really be in that community that we've spoken about with others um, who are drawn to celebrate their loved ones uh, with them. And so it just depends on who you are in the process. And so there may be parts of the book you love right away, and there might be parts of the book, past and present, that you want to kind of tackle, you know, weeks from now. And so there are ideas that are um, spanning seasons and you know, of course, uh, occasions and special occasions, it just depends on uh, who you are and what you want out of it at any given time. That's why I wrote it the way I wrote it. I can also imagine a few different things. One, some people just really need to do something right away. And having things to actively do that are also helpful to grief, that's pretty terrific. And then even if someone likes the idea but then can't do it right away, it's a promise that things might be possible later. 
which is very powerful. You know, I know that uh, I was expecting the loss of my wife for a long time, and I was watching other people and what they were doing in the course of their losses, and it made it seem as if, well, I don't know how, but I'll do it. You know, there's sort of that looking forward that other people's experience or ideas help you do. So I can imagine just having it on the shelf at the beginning could help even if you're not ready to to do it. You know what, the, you know, it's funny um, that, that you mentioned the kind of picking it up and putting it down and coming back to it. You know, the book, um, you have seen it, you know, you've read it. It's, it's small. It's small. It's paperback. It's it feels, I know it's odd to say about a book, but it has a soft feel to it. The cover has this texture about it that really feels very smooth and rubbery, and I feel kind of it's soothing. And I feel like it's the kind of book that really invites you to mark it up and to dog ear it and to, you know, keep it out and put it away and to put it in your pocketbook and take it with you. It's kind of one of those things that's meant to be put up and put down. It's very portable. And um, why we did that, of course, is really the essence of what you and I were talking about, is that, you know, at a certain moment, you want to grab it and you want it at your fingertips. And at other times, you want to put it down. And um, it's just meant for being used. It's not a precious hardcover where you really might want to be more careful with it. It's meant to be a guide. It's meant to be almost a um, a workbook in the sense that you can brighten it, you can star things, you can circle it, and you can come back to ideas later. Well, I also, I want to describe the book uh, a little more than what you just did. The drawings that are interspersed throughout the book, your illustrator's drawings, they're very comforting images. Um I guess I'd describe them as almost cartoons, but not really. <laughs> um, oh, Jen- yeah, the artist is just amazing. Her name is Jennifer Orkin Lewis, and uh, she is a fantastic artist. She is whimsical. She is upbeat. She has this incredible energy to her, and uh, she was the only artist who I wanted to work with on this project. I think she really... Um, bring the message home of what I wanted to uh, communicate in the book. There's that. And, and also the other thing I really noticed is very few words on each page for an, for an expository book. And I've noticed that people in early grief or even sometimes later grief get very overwhelmed by too many words. Um, so well, I, I don't know. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but I think it's very um, uh, a very good move. <laughs> you know that well, it's that it's straightforward. Yeah, it I was, guess. Yeah, it, it was definitely done that way, and I thank you for saying that. It was done intentionally that way. I didn't want this book to feel like work. I think that when loss is new, especially when loss is new, even making dinner can feel hard. And so I didn't even, I didn't want this book to feel um, oppressive. I wanted it to feel light. I wanted it to feel warm. I wanted it to be welcoming. And I wanted it to be something that would make you feel up instead of feel down. 
Well, I've say, I I would say you've succeeded at that, at least speaking personally. Oh, thank you. I, I definitely well, felt that in the book. And I would love Let, if any of your listeners um, agree, you know, please reach out to me. I'm really accessible on my website and... You know, my email is there. My social media handles are there. I would love to hear from from listeners because they really also have some of the best ideas I've come across for celebrating and keeping the memory of loved ones alive. In fact, many of the ideas in past and present over the years that I've been able to accumulate were actually given to me from readers or shared with me via email or people would stop me at different speaking engagements. And so... Um, I am grateful to hear from listeners, for sure. So please reach out. Um, let's go a little further into that. What is becoming of this book? And, may uh, you know, in terms of the fact that it sounds as if you put a lot of ongoing energy into this, um, you know, magical territory, and you have a community on Facebook. I've mentioned it a few times today. Um, but it sounds very open. It sounds very uh, interactive and kind of um, supportive in a way. It's like a, a particular kind of support community. That's the impression I get. Does that fit with your experience of what's happening? Yeah, you know what? I think that once um, people find a place that is warm and open to discussions about loss in a framework of remembering and celebrating what that relationship still means to them, that is a place that you don't find very often. It's Mm. really why I wrote Past and Present, right? It's honoring people who have passed away and keeping them a part of your present. And to find that on social media and to be able to share what works for you to learn what's worked for others, you know, that's really the best use, in my opinion, of, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram is you get to, exp- you get to um, share, you get to be exposed to other ideas and learn. And that's just, it's so, it's so warm, it's so heartening, and it's been one of the greatest joys of writing the book. That also connects with an idea of one of my guests. She's writing a book on... Um, Grief, generosity, and love. And uh, the basic familiar idea that she's developing is that when you have faced a great loss and and um, felt your way through it, there's a natural impulse to share, to give, to offer. And, uh, of course, for you, in part, I guess it's this book, you know, but I could imagine for other people coming on that uh, Facebook page, that's their generous offer. I used this in this way, or I, I did this. And, and then to have other people connect to that is so deeply meaningful because it comes out of, it's a, uh, uh, something that's been created out of their grief. One hundred percent. I totally agree with you. It's a beautiful thing, right? It's totally beautiful. I love it. I, I you know, I, I, 
I'm so connected to that idea because I feel as if everyone who comes on this show that applies to they've they've written a book, they've started a nonprofit, they've written two books like our mutual friend Claire Bidwell Smith, you know, they're um that something has come out of that terrible experience and that redeems it. That makes meaning out of it. Um and well, I could you, feel you I could feel that in your book. Thank you. Well, again, number two, you've made my day twice. <laughs> I'm so glad. That's part of my purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have anything coming up that you know? I like to in this these last few minutes, kind of head people towards you. Obviously. Go get the book. I I really think it's it's worth having on your shelf for sure. Um, but are there other things that you're involved in that you want people to know out know about before we're out of time today? Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I would like my greatest pleasure. You know, writing um, any book uh, is isolating, right? You're kind of alone. You're with your computer, and that was the same for me with writing past and present. So. I love being on the road, and I have been traveling ever since the book came out, and, um, you know, now is no different, and so if anyone wants to go to my website, I have a schedule uh, that's on my website, and I would love folks to meet me on the road. Um, Coming up, I'm going to be in uh, Florida, I'm going to be in Hilton Head, I'm going to be in Philadelphia. Um, I'll be in, in January, um, I'm going to be out in San Francisco again. Um, and so that'll be the second time I'm there, uh, in just a few months. And so I love being on the road. It's one of my greatest pleasures. And so I really hope that, um, listeners take the time to go to my website, which is allisongilbert.com, uh, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com. Uh, check my events page, see where I am, and I would love to meet you in person. Well, and I'll take that personally because I live across the bay from San Francisco. I'm so, in Oakland. Is that where you are? Yes, I am. I'm in Oakland. Oh, well, then <laughs> hey, we will have to need see a place each other to stay, let me know. <laughs> yeah, we're right at, we're right across the bay here. So I hope I'm free when you're when you're here. I can come meet you in person. That would be wonderful. Oh, that would and, be great. That would be fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, my last words on this is um a a kind of gift that keeps on giving. You know, you came up with 85 beautiful ideas. Um Including, I just want to feature in this last couple seconds, um, the places you mentioned to go for rituals, community rituals. I'm going to uh, try to do a couple of those. I really want to thank you for being, so me t- being with me today, Allison. It's been a pleasure, and I hope we'll meet in person soon. I do, too. Thank you so much. What an honor. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, too. Next week, I'll welcome Rosalie Bluston. Her book, Dying in Dubai, is a memoir of marriage mourning in the Middle East, where her husband died while working far away from home. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. 
Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.